Praise the Lord. Greetings. I'm so blessed that uh, our Lord, He's just always here with us. Praise God. He, the God of the universe, sees fit to come and help us, embrace us, not leave us alone. Hallelujah. I pray that you sense Him in this room the way I do. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Special welcome to you if you're visiting with us. We're we're anxious to get praying tonight. And you may have come tonight to check it out. But I have a thought. Maybe you came tonight because God wants to check you out. (laughs) And I hope you're good with that. Let him get in your corner. Hallelujah. Let him have a face-to-face with you. He loves you. God loves you. Hallelujah. Okay, if you join me for a few minutes in the Word of God in Isaiah chapter 62 and verse 6. Isaiah 62, verse 6. Lord, we give this night to you. And Lord, we're going to be bringing petitions and supplications to you. And we know you care. And, oh, Lord, let us bring them with full heart and care, concern, and faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 20, I'm sorry, 62, verse 6 says, I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he establisheth, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Two things attracted me about this passage. One, that those who are praying are encouraged not to stop. And second, that it even goes so far as to say, do not even give the Lord rest. Keep petitioning him. Keep talking to him. Don't even worry about giving him rest. Pour out your heart and pour out your heart and pour out your heart. In their case, the city was broken down. I want to say, in our case, the city is broken down. It's very vulnerable. Our city is very vulnerable. There are a lot of dangerous places. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of selfishness in our city. And it's broken down. And what do watchmen do? when they stand on the walls of a broken-down city. They look at the city and they go, I don't know what you want me to do. The city's all broken down. What am I doing up here? But they do do something up there. They pray for their city. And pray and pray, and they're not silent. 
The New Living Translation says this, O Jerusalem, verse 6, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. This is like Daniel. Dan, this, uh, this part of the book of Isaiah is addressed to uh, the exiles in Babylon. And it's telling them what they need to do in order to see their city restored. And Daniel was one of the exiles in Babylon. He had been taken as a young man, perhaps even as a boy. He had been taken captive out of Jerusalem and led to Babylon. And we read in Daniel chapter 6 how a decree was made in Babylon that prohibited prayer to anyone other than the emperor. And Daniel heard the uh, proclamation. The proclamation would last 30 days. One month. I think that's a critical detail. And Daniel heard this proclamation, and do you know what he did? He continued praying just like he did before the proclamation. He prayed three times a day. That was the way he did it before the proclamation, and that was the way he was going to pray after the proclamation. Before the proclamation, he prayed with his window open toward Jerusalem. Babylon was a very densely populated city, a very urban environment. So if your window was open and you were praying, people were going to hear you in the streets. Well, that's the way he always prayed before the proclamation, and that's the way he was going to keep praying even after the proclamation. We can get a clue as to how Daniel prayed by reading in uh, chapter 9. We'll get there in a second. No, let's go, yeah, let's go, we'll get there in a second. Let's go to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 27. Daniel had an amazing spiritual experience and he saw... Uh, very uh, visions that were very moving, and it was a lengthy uh, time of fellowship with uh, an angel, and the Lord spoke to him very powerfully. And in chapter 8, verse 27, it says, I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. You have to realize that Daniel, when the the emperor made that proclamation forbidding to pray for 30 days to anybody but him, you could pray to the emperor, that Daniel had been in Babylon for about 65 years already. He was not a zealous boy. He was an old man. 
And he could be worn out, as we see here, by his spiritual experiences. He could lay exhausted. I estimate that when that proclamation was made, no praying for 30 days, that Daniel was about 80 years old. And at 80 years old, he didn't say, I've been praying one long time and I'm tired. And so if the king doesn't want us to pray for 30 days, I won't pray for 30 days. What could 30 days matter? After all these years of praying, what can 30 days mean? What can 30, what can 30 days change? Oh, no. He was going to pray every single one of those 30 days. He could say, look, I've been praying for 65 years. How about if I just go in the back room and pray? instead of by the open window that's on the street toward Jerusalem. Oh, no. He was going to pray towards Jerusalem and toward the open window. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we hear, about, we hear his praying described. It says in Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men, these are wicked men, went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Here's the content of his prayer. Three times a day towards Jerusalem. Thanking God and asking God for help. That's what he did three times a day toward Jerusalem. He spent part of his prayer time thanking God, and he spent part of his prayer time asking God for help. When he was exhausted, as we read earlier, we can read about what is often called Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 19. I don't want to read the whole prayer and take that time tonight, but I'll jump to verse 12. This is Daniel praying, Daniel 9, 12. In Daniel 6, 10 and 11, we got the idea that Daniel gave thanks to God and also asked God for help. We actually get his words in chapter 9. And if we jump to verse 12, it says, he's talking to the Lord. He's praying and talking to the Lord. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like that, what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. 
If you read all of Daniel's prayer, you see that those two verses are really rather representative of the whole thing. He doesn't cut himself any slack, and he doesn't point fingers at anybody. He always says, we have sinned. We have not met expectations. I had a brother one time ask me, Brother Brian, why did Daniel pray like that? I mean, talk about a faithful man. There's about as good a hearted a man, as faithful a man as we ever hear about in the Bible, and he keeps confessing sin. I told the brother, well, you don't know about the Daniel before he was taken captive in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon. Maybe he was just a wise guy. Maybe he was flippant. Maybe he was blowing it off. Maybe he was blowing off his uh, Bible studies. And maybe he was, you know, just treating uh, uh, nonchalantly the whole idea of praying and his relationship to God. Maybe he was just out of touch with God before he was brought to Jerusalem. I'm not sure what he had in his mind when he confesses his own sin along with the sin of Jerusalem, but he doesn't cut himself any slack whatsoever. You know, it's a wonderful thing. It's a powerful thing. When people start weighing heavily their relationship with God, and when they start praying with their hearts and from their hearts. And when they don't even cut themselves any slack. Remember what Jesus said. There was a, two men in, the, in praying in the temple and one said, I thank you, I'm not like that guy over there. He's a creep. He's an extortioner. He's a sinner. He does this. He does that. I do this and that for you. And Jesus points at the other man who says, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he beat his breast. And Jesus said, the guy who humbled himself before God goes home justified. The man who patted himself on the back, he is still guilty before God. It's a wonderful thing when we cry out to the Lord for our community for the place where God has brought us. And we just do it openly. And we don't care about hiding. And we don't care about drawing the drapes closed. And we don't care about who sees us or hears us. And we just want to be broken before God. And we just want to be totally honest before God. And we care about the, the, what's going on in our city. And we don't want our city to be broken down and destroyed and overrun by God's enemies constantly. And Isaiah put it this way, as we read already, take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. That's what Daniel did year after year as the decades clicked by, even when he was 80 years old and threatened with having to be thrown into the lion's den. That, he was 80 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. He wasn't ever going to stop praying. He wasn't ever going to stop pouring out his heart to God. I understand that 
There was a wonderful move of the Holy Spirit down in Asbury College, down in Kentucky. It's a Methodist college, if I'm not mistaken. And young people just felt like they had to be honest with God. They just felt like they had to be an open book before God. And God moved in their midst. And thousands of young people got touched by the Holy Spirit. And young people were coming from 12 and 15 and 20 different universities in the whole region. They were going to visit these meetings. The meetings have now uh, dis largely discontinued. They went on, I believe, for about 10 days. It was a wonderful move of God and not the first one ever at Asbury College. There was another one in 2006 and there was another one and another one before that, I believe there was one in 1970, and I believe that there is another one in 1905 at Asbury College. We've had many moves of God in this room, in all the different buildings where Living Word Church has met. We've had many moves of God in our chapel services at Living Word Academy. It's so wonderful when people will just be honest before God, an open book before him. No longer protecting themselves, but instead the opposite, making themselves vulnerable before God. So I invite you to come and pray. We'll, we'll get a chance to um, pray for all the different requests on the cards that you've filled out but I encourage you to come, especially, especially if you need to get right with God. If God has been distant to you, put off, kept at a distance, if you have, in a sense, tried to insulate or protect yourself from God's Spirit and, and leave Him off to the side, don't stop praying. Pray to God for his mercy. Reach out to him. He loves you. Don't let God rest until he comes to your heart and he saves you to the uttermost. Amen. So praise the Lord. Come on, saints. Let's come and pray.